you will, if you've got your Bibles, you should be turned to, to Jonah already. So um, we are going to be looking at the story of Jonah. And um, I really, I just had Tyler read those, those two verses, but I kind of want to talk about the whole book. I feel like when I, when I preach or when I teach, I'm either looking at like an oversweeping passage uh, like, an, like a, a big portion, uh, a book, kind of doing an overview kind of thing, or I'm looking at, at one or two words, and I probably need to work to try to find a middle ground somewhere uh, in there. But, but we will. We're going to be looking at the, the story of Jonah uh, and what the Lord is doing there, uh, what the Lord is doing uh, in the story, and kind of its, its purpose, uh, the purpose of, of the book. I want to give you some, some context first, though, before we, before we jump into what the Lord is actually doing. Um, Jonah prophesied, during the time, uh, King Jeroboam II was the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. And he, uh, he was a king that, as, as many of the other kings in, in that, uh, that reigned over Israel, that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, the, he was, the Lord was not pleased with how he led the people, and the people of Israel followed in the sins of this king. But it is interesting that it was also during this time that God had showed mercy and compassion towards the people of Israel uh, in expanding uh, their borders back to where they were. At this time, the, uh, the nation of Israel, their borders had been taken. Uh, they had some, some oppression from outside forces. And, and when Jeroboam was king, uh, the Lord uh, saw and had pity on the people of Israel and expanded their borders back to where they were when Solomon was king. And so we do know that even though that the, the, that the people of Israel had been disobedient to the Lord. They were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. God also saw that they were oppressed severely, uh, and, and He remembered His promise to the people of Israel that He would not uh, forsake them. Um, we don't really know much about what Jonah prophesied about the people of Israel. His prophecy to Israel, we know that he had prophesied that the borders would be restored, and that's basically it. Uh, in terms of his prophecy to the nation of Israel, we do have the entire book of Jonah that tells us about his prophecy and his, his message to the, the city of Nineveh, which is, which is the capital. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, which is the enemies of, of Israel. Uh, much persecution had come uh, from the Assyrians towards the people of Israel. Israel had actually followed somewhat uh, in some of the worship, uh, same worship that, that the Assyrians had, uh, had, had partake, uh, partaken in. Um, but they were, the Assyrians were the, the, the enemies of the people of Israel. And it's actually the Syrians some 30 to 50 years after the events of, of, of the book of Jonah. It was about 30 to 50 years after that that the northern kingdom finally just fell. And we'll look at that, that later. So that's the context. There's your historical context. And I want to just go through. I, I, I didn't want to read, since I'm doing an overview, I didn't want to read. We don't have the attention span to set and read all four chapters. But I will do a, a quick a quick summary of it. You guys know the story, Jonah and Jonah and what? The whale that's not actually mentioned. Uh, there's not a whale mentioned in the story. There's a great fish, but there's not a, uh, a, there's not a whale that's mentioned in, in this story at all. There is a large fish, uh, and that's, that's all we know about that. And, and we put that title there, I think, just because it's, it's an interesting story to tell to children in Sunday school. Uh, but the fish plays... Um, I mean, when you look at the, the grand scheme of things and the, uh, kind of the meta-narrative of, of Scripture, the great fish does play an important part, uh, and it does paint a picture uh, of something to, to come. But, but just looking at the story itself here, the fish doesn't really pay that much of a, uh, a role 
in terms of what uh, God is doing in Jonah. Uh, so, so God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh uh, and to call out against uh, Nineveh's evil. Uh, and they were pretty evil, wicked, wicked people. Uh, they had, had done much evil. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of it because it can be pretty graphic. But, but Jonah, instead of going and following the call of the Lord, he flees. He flees the presence of the Lord is how the, how the chapter 1 describes it. Jonah flees the presence of the Lord and gets on a boat and heads to Tarshish. And while he's on this boat, big storm comes and the sailors on the boats kind of start panicking, throwing things overboard. And Jonah's down in the bottom of the boat asleep during this time. And they go and wake him up and say, listen, you got to pray out to your God. Something like we've, we're going to sink if something is not done. They end up figuring out that the reason why this storm has come is because it's, it's God's judgment on Jonah for trying to, to disobey, basically. And, and they, they cast lights, find out that it's Jonah, that this for the reason for this coming, the storm coming. And they eventually, Jonah convinces them to throw him overboard. And as soon as Jonah is thrown overboard, the storm calms. Uh, the sea is, is calm again and the sailors are, are saved from that storm. And then a big fish comes and swallows up Jonah. Jonah stays in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. God speaks to the fish after Jonah prays. God speaks to the fish and the fish vomits Jonah out onto dry land. And then God, as we read in chapter 3, God calls to Jonah a second time and tells him to go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So he gets up and he goes to Nineveh. He calls out. He tells them that judgment and disaster is coming from the Lord if they don't repent of their ways. And Honestly, not to Jonah's surprise, they actually do repent of their sins and they turn from their wickedness and God relents of the disaster that he was going to bring on them. And this makes Jonah mad. And Jonah just kind of pitches a fit a little bit. Uh, he, he goes outside and he sits outside the city and looks back on the city and, and wonders, if, is God really going to not destroy this wicked, wicked people and, and so God uses, at that point, a plant to grow up and to shade Jonah from his, his discomfort. You could even look at it and say to, to, to help him see and understand his anger even. So this plant grows up because the sun was really hot and it was beating down on him. And, and Jonah was very glad for this plant to have come. But then the next day, a worm comes and destroys the plant and the plant is gone. And the Lord sends a scorching east wind to bring in all of this heat. And it makes Jonah mad again. And the Lord says, Jonah, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah goes, yeah, yeah, I do well. I'm really mad. This plant died. And, and, and Jonah, again, is kind of pitching a fit here. But then, then the Lord confronts Jonah in, in his anger. And, and he, he, he says, listen, you're, you're upset about, about a plant that, is, that, has, that has died. Um, and you have pity for this plant. But you didn't even work for this plant. You didn't create this plant or anything, and you have pity for it, and you want me to have mercy on this plant. But yeah, you're not even, like, you can't even let the people of Nineveh repent and then not have to endure my wrath. He says, should I not also have compassion and pity on the people of Nineveh like you have compassion and pity on a plant? And then he kind of leaves you there with the, the last phrase, which is interesting, and also much cattle. And I think God is, is talking to Jonah there and and helping him say, say, listen, if you're not going to have pity on the people of Nineveh, at least maybe since you have pity on a plant, maybe you'll have pity on, on the cattle there. And so that's, that's the story of Jonah, if you, if you summarize it and make it really quick. 
And before we get into, uh, which I've, I've already hit on some, but before we get into what, uh, what God is, is doing here, I want to talk about some misinterpretations that I just, I remember these things from Sunday school or from children's book when I was younger. Uh, some things that, that are not, not actually what we need to take away from it. They may be true, but I don't think they're the driving point of, of what God is doing in this story. And the first one is, is don't run. Uh, that God is running, or that Jonah is running from God's call on his life. And, and that, that may be true. We don't need to run from, from God's call on our life. Uh, that's, that's, uh, we, sh- we shouldn't run from something that God is calling us to do. But I don't think that's necessarily the, the overarching theme or point of this book. So that's just one that I remember probably in, in youth group. At some point, someone was trying to get a bunch of guys to announce a call to preach, and, and it was like, don't run from God's call on your life. Well, I mean, that's definitely true, but that's not the point of the story here. And another one that I remember is, is don't be afraid. Uh, and it was taught that Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because he was afraid. They were a wicked, wicked, evil people, and he was afraid of what they may do to him. Jonah wasn't afraid to go, actually. Uh, and that's, that was not the reason for, for, it wasn't a lack of courage that he didn't go to Nineveh. And we'll see later on about, about why it was that he didn't go. And then another one that we may could read from this is, is, is just trust the Lord, obey, and he's going to give you success in your mission. And that's not what we find here. Um, did, did Jonah trust the Lord? Eventually he obeyed reluctantly. Uh, did God give success in his mission? Yeah, maybe, but that's not the point of the story here. Uh, the people um, of, of Nineveh, they did repent, uh, and, but the story doesn't just stop there. It's not just about success and mission. The story of Jonah and the, the repentance of the Ninevites is, is about two things that I, that I want to look at. It's about what God is doing in the heart of his servant, uh, helping him see and understand sin in his life. And then it's also about what God is doing in the overall arching picture of humanity and, and God's story of redemption, what God is doing uh, from, from creation uh, to, to creation, fall, redemption, restoration, what God is doing through all of that. God uses this story in, in the story of redemption. And so we'll look at that. But let's first look at at the, God's work in the heart of Jonah. And when you read through this, you can see a lot of miraculous things that the Lord does. Uh, the, the, the Lord works uh, to, to, to bring a, a mighty wind and a great storm on the, the boat that Jonah has tried to, to flee from the presence of the Lord. Uh, we see that the Lord uh, ceases the raging storm when, uh, when, when Jonah is thrown overboard. The Lord appoints the great fish to come and swallow Jonah, and then he speaks to the fish and tells the fish to vomit him out. Um, the Lord appointed a plant to grow overnight, a large plant to grow, a plant large enough to, to grow and give him shade. And then the next day, he destroys that plant with a worm. And we see, we see all of these pictures of, of God's mighty hand working in miraculous, miraculous ways. But I really think the greatest miracle that we see here is, is two things, the repentance of the people of Nineveh, and then also quite possibly the repentance of Jonah himself. Now we don't see where Jonah in the book actually repents of his anger and his sin in this book. But at the very end, we do see that the Lord has the final word. And at the end of the narrative, there's two persons there. 
there's Jonah, and there's God. And yet we still have the story. And so we, we can't assert, I think, safely from this that Jonah realized his sin and he realized what was wrong with his heart. And he either wrote that down and passed it on or he told it to someone else and someone else wrote it down. And so I think it's safe to say that we can see that, that Jonah, Jonah repented of this. He at least recognized that he was wrong. And that's what the Lord is doing. I think that's one of the main purposes of this story is to talk about God confronting a, an, a, a wrong understanding of his own character uh, in Jonah's heart. Uh, Jonah thought when the people, uh, I mean, he, th this was a very wicked people, and Jonah wanted justice to be served. This was the enemies of God, and he wanted them to be destroyed and hurt for, for their wickedness. But that's not what God had planned. Look with me in chapter 3. Let's look in verse uh, 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. It says, When God saw what they did, the Ninevites, how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that He had said He would do to them, and He did not do it. But this displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to Tarshish. So, so look, Jonah knew. Jonah knew he would go and he would proclaim this message of destruction uh, and repentance, this message of, of judgment and repentance. When he proclaimed that, he knew that if they repented, that God would relent from this disaster. He said, that's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And he knew the character of God, but he was just angry about it and disagreed with it. He thought the right thing for God to do would be to destroy this people. But, but that's not what God is, that's not his character. If in repentance and faith, if, if, if we do repent of our sins, God character, God's character is to extend mercy and to show grace and compassion towards people who are repentant. Now, if, there's, if you don't repent, then obviously the destruction still comes and the judgment still comes. But, but Jonah was angry with the Lord and, and God is confronting him. I think that's one of the main things that God is doing here is that God is confronting Jonah about his anger. And he even says, um, he, God confronts him and he says, Jonah, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah just kind of ignores him. Jonah doesn't reply to that. He just goes out of the city and builds himself a shelter and sits there and waits to see if God's actually going to destroy the city or not. And, and he finds out that he's not going to. And so, like I said earlier, God sends this plant to cover Jonah. And, and Jonah is glad about the plant. And he says, you know, the plant dies. And then Jonah, maybe I just don't understand some stuff here, but Jonah says, you know, it is better for me to die than to live after this plant dies. And God said to Jonah in verse 9, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he replies, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. And I don't necessarily understand that, that Jonah was angry enough over this plant and, and even angry enough over the fact that Nineveh had repented that he should, should die. But, but he was. Uh, and, and, and God is confronting him with that, with, with a, an anger that he has that people should be destroyed. 
And, and this heart of anger and this heart of hatred towards our enemies, this is not a proper heart for the people of God. Um, that, that idea of they will get what's coming to them, that's not what we should be about. Matter of fact, in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in, in Matthew 5, says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son, uh, for he makes his son to rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. So we are to have a heart, and Jonah was to have a heart of compassion, just as God has a heart of compassion. In this story, God is taking and He's working in Jonah's life to correct his, his character. He's taking and he's, he's molding and shaping Jonah's character to be more like his own. And he's at least confronting him and showing him, Jonah, your character is not like my character. You want there to be judgment. You want there to be destruction for this people. But my character is one of, of relenting from disaster. I am, I am slow to anger. I am compassionate and I am merciful to those who repent. And that's the same attitude that we are to have. And and. When we, we will go through life, and there's going to be times, I think of times when, when I know that my character was not in line with the character of God. And I walk through very, very difficult and dark times for God to take and to shape and to mold me like His character. And guys, we have hope in that. And, and in Romans 6, Joey just preached on this not too long ago. Romans 6 talks about like we have become slaves of righteousness. Not that we should be slaves of righteousness, but we are slaves of righteousness. If we are God's children, we are slaves of righteousness. And He will take and He will use circumstances and He will use events in our lives. And sometimes those events may feel like the belly of a great fish. And they may feel like severe anger towards the Lord, but God will take those things and He will use those things to shape and to mold us and to make us more like Himself, if indeed we are His children. And if you go through life and you don't see that your life is changing, if you don't see the Lord working and changing your character and your heart, if you don't see those things happening, I would, I would encourage you to really question where you are with the Lord. Are you indeed one of His children? But we are to have a character like that of God. And God will work in our hearts and our minds to shape and to move, uh, to move us to be more in line with His character. Uh, and, and in this case, in the story of Jonah, we are to be loving towards our enemies even. This is something that Christ calls us to do. This is something that Christ Himself did. Christ exemplified the character of God in being loving and compassionate towards His enemies, those who put Him on a cross even. Uh, you know, he prayed for them. He prayed for, for us. We were enemies of God. And the Ninevites here, it even says in Jonah, um, Jonah 11, uh, 4, 11, says, Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? They didn't know. I mean, like he's basically in that statement what God is saying. Listen, they don't know their right hand from their left hand. They're ignorant to their sin. And, and until Jonah went and proclaimed that to them, they didn't have a clue. And we need to remember that when we're thinking about those people who we may view as enemies of the Lord. And listen, we live in a day and a time when it's really easy to look out into the world and see the enemies of the Lord, right? I mean, it's, it's really easy for, like, 
used to, it wasn't that easy. Everybody went to church a long time ago. You know, 50, 60 years ago, everybody went to church. And that's not the case now. It's really easy to look out there and to see the enemies of our Lord. But, but we're to have a heart of compassion towards them and to pray for those people uh, and to understand, listen, they don't know their right from their left. And without the mercy of God, we also wouldn't know our right from our left. Uh, they're morally bankrupt. And apart from the work of God, we are morally bankrupt too. So we should always be compassionate and caring to those who, who don't know their right from their left. Uh, and, and we should seek to show God's mercy and grace just as He does. Um, and then I want to look next at the, uh, what God is doing in kind of the, in the redemptive uh, story of, of history. What, what Nineveh's repentance means in the history of salvation. What God is doing from, that, from creation all the way to, to restoration. And it's not actually something that we find in the book of Jonah, but Jesus does mention it in Matthew 12, and we'll get there in a little bit. But if you will, take your Bible and turn back to 2 Kings 17. Second Kings chapter 17, we'll look in verse 6. We'll start in verse 6, and we have quite a bit to read here, so, so bear with me as we read. But this, this talks about the fall of Israel, the northern, the northern kingdom. And, and like I said earlier, this takes place some 30 to 50 years after the events of, of Jonah and, and him going to Nineveh to, to proclaim God's judgment if they don't repent. And we see here uh, in verse 6, it says, In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria, he captured Samaria and he carried the Israelites away to uh, Assyria and placed them in Hala. And then verse 7, it says, And this occurred, why? Here's the reason why this occurred. Because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And had feared other gods. They had feared. The Israelites had feared other gods and walked in the customs of the nation whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And in the customs of king and the kings of Israel had practiced. So they, they followed the customs of the kings of Israel that they had practiced. Just like I said, Jeroboam, he walked in sin. The people followed that. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. They built for themselves high places in all of their towns. From watchtowers to fortified cities, they set up for themselves pillars and ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And, they, uh, and there they made offerings on all the high places as the nations did whom the Lord carried away from before them. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. And they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and statutes in accordance with all the laws that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen. But, they're st uh, but they were stubborn, as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenants that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he had given them, that he gave them. 
They went after false idols and became false, and they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they then they made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served by Baal. And listen, and they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. And then we see even Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced and the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. And so we see that, that Israel had continually and continually and continually disobeyed the Lord. And he sent prophet after prophet after prophet and warned them, if you do not repent and follow my ways that I have given to you, I will send you into exile. I will give you hardship. I will take this land that I have promised to your forefathers. I will take that from you and I will send you to serve and to be slaves again in a foreign land. And then when we go to Matthew chapter 12, go ahead and turn over there. Matthew chapter 12, uh, we'll look in verse 38. So while you're turning there, though, God, like I said, God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to warn Israel. And what did Israel do? Did Israel repent? Not at all. God sent one prophet to Nineveh. He preached the message and they repented of their sins. Uh, and this was the, the ones who had not been given the law and the promises and all of this. And then we find in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was in or was three days and nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And we see there, so, so Jesus is saying the only sign that you're going to get is that the Son of Man, that Jesus himself, will die and be in the earth, the heart of the earth, for three days and three nights. And then he goes on to say, And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah, Jesus Christ himself, is here. And so, so the, at the judgment, what God is doing in the overall, like why did God send Jonah to Nineveh so that, like what was the purpose of God sending Jonah to Nineveh and the Ninevites repenting of their sin? God uses that at the judgment so that the people of Nineveh, the men of Nineveh, Nineveh may rise up and they will actually condemn Israel for Israel's unbelief. And, and, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch to jump over and to see what God is doing. What we've been walking through in Romans 11, we now are living in a time where the grace of God has gone out to the Gentiles, to us, because of Israel's unbelief. 
And, you know, we need to be so thankful for the time that we are alive and that we live in because, because we get to live in this time when God's message of repentance and faith has, through Christ Jesus has come. And if we just repent and have faith, you know, we are able to be part of the family of God. Us who, who did not know mercy, we now get to know mercy. And, and, and those of us who were not a people, uh, God has called us to be uh, a people for himself. And so in the overarching story of redemption, God uses Jonah and the Ninevites to demonstrate his good character uh, and what true repentance, what turning away from sin, uh, that in that, that God will relent of his judgment and of that coming destruction. And so just some takeaways from this. Um, we don't necessarily have to know what God is doing. Like, I, I don't think that, that Jonah knew and understood what God was doing in the grand scheme of things. And we don't have to know or even understand what God is doing. We simply obey and trust that God is going to accomplish His purposes. I said earlier that one of the, the misunderstandings or misinterpretations is that if we trust, obey, God will give us success. And that's not the point here. The point here is that if we trust and obey, God is going to accomplish His purposes that He has for us. And, and, I, and I, as children of God, that should give us hope. That should be the things that we desire the most, is for God to be glorified and for God's purposes to be accomplished. So it's not trust, obey, and God gives success, but trust, obey, and God will accomplish His purposes. Now, one of the last things that I, that I want to talk about uh, this morning is, is the book of Jonah. I can't, you can't go to the book of Jonah and not look at the parallels between, um, between Jonah uh, and the gospel. Now, lots of parallels, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail of them, but we do see some of these parallels, and I just want to mention them. We see at one point that Jonah sleeps in a boat during a raging storm, and we see that Jesus sleeps in a boat during a raging storm. Jonah's life was given to save the life of sailors, the pagan sailors, and Jesus' life is given to save the lives of those who repent and trust in Him. Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish, and Jesus spent three days in the grave. And after Jonah's resurrection, if you will, I don't think Jonah actually died, uh, but after his resurrection, after he came from the belly of the fish, his message was, was proclaimed to those who were not considered God's people, the Ninevites. And then after Jesus' resurrection, the message of Christ was and is still proclaimed to those who are not considered God's people, the Gentiles. Uh, and that's us. And we should rejoice and be thankful uh, that we are able to now be called God's people and that His message has gone out to, to us. And so... Um, you know, God, the Ninevites, they repented of their sins and, and God relented of the coming disaster. Um, and, and there's a greater judgment, though, uh, that every man faces. That was, that was a natural disaster, whether that had been like a military disaster or storms. I don't know what the disaster that was going to come on the Ninevites. I don't know what that was. But it was some form of a natural disaster that would have been a temporary disaster. But all of us, every man, faces not a natural disaster, but uh, an eternal judgment. And, uh, and it's only because of Christ that we can escape this judgment. Um, and that, it really is. We, we, sometimes we try to complicate it, but it's really just as simple as, as repenting and turning from your sins and trusting in Christ. It really is that simple. That's all that the Ninevites did. They, re they repented of their sins. They stopped doing what was wrong. 
and, uh, and, and God relented of the disaster. Now, if you've ever lived much and if you've ever tried to repent of your sins, you find out that that's a very, very difficult thing to do sometimes. You have the desire to repent of your sins, but, but, that, but yourself, you cannot do that on your own. So thankfully, because of the work of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we can truly turn and repent from our sins. Um, if you are a child of God, know and understand God is going to work in every circumstance in your life to make you more like Himself and to develop His character in you. Uh, if you are not a child of God, know and understand that there is a judgment coming, uh, an eternal judgment coming. If you will repent of your sins and trust not in yourself and not of your own works, but trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and repent of those sins, you can be delivered from that eternal destruction and damnation. Uh, you can be uh, rescued from that by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you this morning, if you don't know Him, if you don't know Jesus and you've never repented of your sins to do so, uh, repent of your sins uh, and trust uh, in the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray.